There comes a time in everyone's life when they have to make... You know, this is poetry. This is for you. I just can't deal with this. <laughs> Fine, it's Brock Lurie's show here. <laughs> what do I care? <laughs> no, no, go ahead. There comes a time. There comes a time in everyone's life when you have to say, you know what? It's time for truth. It's time for choosing. It's a rendezvous with destiny to take two quotes from, um, you know, one of the greats, uh, you know, one of the giants upon whose shoulders we stand upon. Don't you mix your metaphors again on me. I'm not going to turn the tables on the other foot. I promise. <laughs> but let's burn that bridge when we, when we get to it. <laughs> Along with Hillary's village, please. <laughs> I brought the napalm. Anyway, there comes a time in everyone's day, in everyone's life, where it's time for some really high-quality stuff. And right now is the time. So without further ado, see, it was simple. It, it was, was easy. It was simple. Brock Lurie right here All on right. the Brock Lurie Podcast. All right. The opinions of our David do not necessarily reflect those of all the staff at the Brock Lurie Podcast That's not opinion. Show. That's marketing okay. hype. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. Look, um... We, we have such extraordinary events. This, this election cycle is probably the most interesting that I, I can recall in my lifetime. Uh, the things that Trump is saying, the things that Hillary is saying, of course, the, the, these are all uh, part of it's just pure politics. But other, another part of it is just the novelty of it is, is so out there. Novelty in two different ways. One is that, you know, Hillary is, is a dinosaur. Right. And I say that literally in the sense of she doesn't she's going to go extinct soon. She's she represents an extinct previous Democratic platform, an establishment Democrat platform. She's the last of the establishment in the Democratic Party. And you can argue whether or not she's actually establishment, but she's establishment for the time being. She she wants to at least portray herself as establishment. And that's this is the last time you'll see that kind of person. Democrat running. Uh, whereas Trump, uh, he is the first of the non-establishment, like him or not. And I know you don't like him. I don't like him either. I have nothing against the man personally. Right. My contempt is entirely professional. <laughs> uh, you don't want him to win. I, I, I regretfully want him to win, but I do want him to win. The point is that he is a non-establishment character, and he's a, an emphasis on the word character, right? Um, and it, it just, everything is new about this. You, you can. It's almost like the, I don't know, seeing going out with the old and with the new, that sort of thing on both sides of the equation. It's just that the Democrats are about four years later. Because in 2020, whoever the Democrats put up, um, assuming that, that Hillary Clinton doesn't win, it's going to be more of a Bernie Sanders type. Uh, if Hillary does win, uh, she's going to have more and more pressure to become even more liberal by the Bernie Sanders types. And, and for a point of clarification, what you're talking about with Democrat establishment is in the early 70s, there was an existing Democrat establishment that was eviscerated essentially by the class of 1974. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Hillary is the last, uh, as you say, a remnant of that class who has a chance of being president. Yeah. And post-Hillary, it's going to be perhaps older people like Bernie or younger people, but they're going to be a far more left-wing uh, coalition of people or con amalgamation of people than even that left-wing 1974 yep, class of that's people, right. which were very that's far right. left anyway. Yes, we I, might. Yeah, McGovern was very far left. It's true. Yeah. Uh, but, but Bernie Sanders and his uh, ilk, 
his uh, groupies, as you were, uh, will, um, they are, f- they make McGovern look like Reagan. Yeah, Reagan, exactly. <laughs> no, they're because they're out of the closet communists. Right. There's a big difference between <laughs> thinking it and saying it. <laughs> and being it. <laughs> being it. Yeah, that's true. All right, so we're, we're not really talking so much. I, I, I want to make an analogy here. I, I, I want to, I had a, uh, a very interesting topic with a very close friend of mine. And he was bemoaning uh, the, uh, he, he, he has a relative who's very fat, Okay, very overweight, shall we say, to be PC about it. And he was very concerned about this relative of his. And he said that he told this relative, look, I want you to know something. We all know that the mirror lies to you, but the scale does not. Okay, remember that. The mirror lies to you, but the scale does not. So what does that mean, of course? In, in, the, in the obvious, immediate sense, it means that you look into the mirror, and if you're overweight, you're, the mirror will somehow, when you look at the mirror, it, even though it's an, it's an even mirror, right? It's a flat mirror. Your eyes will deceive you some, for some reason. You'll perceive yourself to be better looking, thinner, with more hair, and more ripped if, uh, if you're a guy, and more, more uh, shapely if you're a woman, or whatever the shape that you're looking for. Um, and you'll be able to say to yourself, ah, I'm not so bad, not so bad. I'm, I'm getting there, whatever. Uh, but the mirror is lying to you. But the scale doesn't, right? You, you put yourself on the scale, and it's a number. It's, it, if, you, if you weigh 242 pounds, then you weigh 242 pounds. And it doesn't, no, matter, no amount of wanting it to be any number different than that is going to change what the scale is going to read back to you. Okay? Especially if it says it... <laughs> It's one of these talking scales. You weigh 242 pounds. So it's, it's not good enough to just want it, right? So the scale represents truth. The mirror represents lies, distortion at the very least, even though it shouldn't because it's a visual thing. It should or, be, to be fair, opinion. Opi- at oh, least, okay, I like it that. At least gives you some floating point range but of the how mirror, you perceive things. But the mirror lies to you. That's the yes. important thing. So why do I bring this up? Do I want to talk about weight, uh, weight gain and weight loss and how can we better exercise? No. I'm talking about not even how we lie to ourselves. I'm, how, I'm talking about how the media and how the administration, that they are, that they see you as the mirror. The mirror, that the public, uh, the public is the mirror to them. They, they say these things and they believe the public Don't you applause mean they're them. the mirror to us and they're lying to us, but the scale isn't? No, no, no. I, I'm saying that from the administration's point of view, they look to the public and they believe that they're, they're saying these crazy things. And I'll, get, I'll just go in, go in for examples. They say, you no, know, it wasn't a ransom payment when referring to the obvious $400 million that was paid in ransom for four hostages held by, by Iran. That was get delivered at the exact same time as uh, as the, the release of hostages. They they portrayed it instead as some sort of settlement of a previous arrangement that they had relating to some failed arms deal back in 1979. Don't you know? Never mind that. Of all the time on the planet, of the four billion years that this planet had for itself, and all the seconds within each year, which is I don't know how many seconds in a year, right? that happened to land exactly on the same second as the time that four hostages were released from Iran. Okay, so that's another story. So, so they, they, they shout this out, 
and they hear the media responding back to them, reflecting, if you will, back to them. Yeah, that's what happened, right? But it's a lie. It's just it's like the mirror lies to you. The media is also lying back to you to tell you, yeah, we believe that too. You are that thin. You are that ripped. You are that shapely. Obama is that good of a president. Exactly. Exactly right. And Hillary uh, is that competent, <laughs> most competent ever. And, well, oh, that's a good example. But it, so it's not just the four hundred million dollars for the ransom. It, it's for statements like uh, everyone knows it was the video that that caused the violent demonstrations, which led to all the disaster in Benghazi in twenty twelve. Uh, like and like you just said, Hillary is the most competent uh, president or candidate Qualified, ever. Qualified, yeah, uh, um, for president. Yeah. Uh, the Iran deal is the best deal we could get. Oh, another good example. It, it, just so you know, with the Obama administration, uh, for the listeners, um, we could take about uh, 15 hours of this program and just record it straight on just with examples. That's right. That's right. Well, anything, anything to do with Islamic terrorism, right. you know, the fact that the claim that it's, all religions are guilty of this, you know, this preposterous crime. ISIS isn't Islamic. ISIS is, is not Islamic. There you go. It's the fir- uh, first I in the acronym. Right. right. It's not Islamic. And that the best way to fight uh, Islamic terrorism is by uh, fighting uh, global warming, you know. So these are the things that, that, and the media reflects back and says, yes, the best way to fight ISIS is to fight global terrorism. Okay, warming. great. Global warming. Global, oh, sorry, global warming. Uh, the best, you know, yes, it was a video that caused the Benghazi riots. Yes, it was. Uh, it was not a, a, a ransom payment, and so on and so on. Planned Parenthood says those videos oh. were heavily edited. They must have been heavily, heavily edited. edited. Right. <laughs> and, and you could say, you know, Brooke, you're just talking about, you know, the echo chamber. And to some extent, yes, echoing only in the sense of uh, the fact that they're repeating back. But, but the mirror lying back to you, the mirror lies to you. That's what I want to capture. Because the echo chamber, it, it, no one ever accuses the echo chamber of of lying to you. The echo chamber simply says, you know, you get a bunch of people who all think the same way and they say it and then somebody repeats it. But there's not the lying element to it, right? But this mirror lies to you. It tells you what you want to believe. And and just like uh, the the um, the woman, the man who wants to be thinner, more shapely, more more strong, more hair, this is what mirrors are for. They, they crave mirrors. But you, if you take a picture of them, as, as once happened to me, by the way, uh, in, I was in Mexico, and that, that, that Mexico trip, uh, there was a picture of somebody taking it. I was drinking some tequila or something like that, and I looked so fat. I was 29 years old, 30 years old at the time. I really looked quite fat. And I thought to myself, wow, I, I, am I that fat? <laughs> And I thought, well, how can I, how can I not see that I'm that fat? After all, I look at the mirror, you know, at least once a day, right? Why can't I see that? Why does it take me a picture to, to tell me that I'm fat, right? Is it, be, right? Is it because it's reverse, you know? Because the, the, you don't see your exact image, right? No, of course not. Is that, that can't be the reason why. But the photo didn't lie to me. The photo, I couldn't. I guess when we look in the mirror, we kind of tilt our head a certain way. We, we don't realize it, but we're actually hiding from the truth. We're, we're helping the mirror lie to us. How do you like that? That's what it is. And with a photo, well, you can't move. <laughs> there you are. 
And, and I got to tell you, Ari, it was upon seeing that photo that I decided to really change my life. That, that was a thing. That is just, I, I was disgusted with myself. I just, I can't believe I got to that point. I'd, I had always been a svelte person up to 27 or so when I guess my metabolism started kicking in. Uh, not, not kicking in anymore. And uh, I just slowly, gradually gained all this tremendous amount of weight. And I changed my life and I lost 40 pounds in the process. And I, I feel so much better today. Yeah, I could lose uh, 10 pounds now, I would say, 10, 15 even. But I was no, I'm, I'm still nowhere close to what I once was when I was 30. So I just I didn't like the fact that I didn't even see the lie. It was. And if you're a, a Democrat, a liberal, whatever it is, do you ask yourself that question? Is this mirror lying to me? Because it is. Because if you actually, you know, we, we like the scale, you and I, right? And really, that's ultimately the difference between liberals and conservatives we to some like extent. We like scales in life. The one in my bathroom, I'm not always thrilled with, <laughs> okay? But you respect it. <laughs> but I'm stuck dealing with it. Yeah, 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 that's right. It's a reality. And many times I'll ask a different scale a second opinion, and it's very disappointing when they're all agreeing with each other. Right. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> it's a lot of chagrin. But like you're saying from your Mexico trip, you got to face it because lying to yourself does not improve the situation. No. You know, and and to to breach the analogy over to the other thing that you're talking about is when a nuclear bomb from Iran goes off in an American city. Oh, I don't know where that came from. Right. They'll be so surprised. Everyone will be so surprised. And then, then of course, the first thing that they'll say is, let's make sure that we don't have a Muslim backlash. Please, please. Like, excuse me, we just had a nuclear bomb that blew up in this country. Atlanta is gone. Right. The first thing you can think of is how to protect, uh, you know, this or that uh, disenfranchised group, or so you claim. No, the, the, the first thing you should be thinking of is going over to the bad guys who launched that attack and you're destroying that country that, that launched it. Thank you. Okay, that's it. But do you see what I'm saying, folks? That, that it, it's a question of a completely different paradigm. I mean, if you're a conservative, you've probably been very frustrated, like I have, like you have. You, 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 just, you scratch your head, like, how can these liberals not see so many obvious things? Like how destructive affirmative action is, right? Or how does, that, that, in fact, it is racism. That, in fact, the whole approach of the Democratic Party is it's an approach that focuses entirely on race. It is indeed racist, okay? When, when you decide to go after black voters, uh, whether they're black or Hispanic or Jewish and so on, elderly, th- that's, that's discriminatory, right? It's, you, you're viewing them in racial terms. And if you do that, well, then you're a racist, okay? And that's not good for the country. And you should know that giving handouts is bad. You should know that taxing... Uh, even at the highest rates, uh, at such a high rate, is, is destructive to the economy. You should, you should have figured out that the minimum wage is, is totally destructive to the economy as well. And how about this one? Miseducating or destroying the brains of millions upon millions yeah. of school children in awful schools is, is murdering the intellectual firepower this country will ever yeah. have. You should I, know I should, all these things. shouldn't say firepower. Intellectual heft to the country ever, and depriving millions of people from ever having a good right. life. These, these should all be obvious things. Right. right. And yet you don't seem to understand it. You simply, what you say instead is, that's not what I want to believe, right? Oh, great point. Right. Yeah, either that or I don't know and I don't care, meaning I'm not even going to step on the scale at all. That's right. Yeah, they, they, they care not to look at the scale I'll just look in the mirror and I see what I want to see. 
Thank you very much. And, and, and to use the analogy, I mean, you, you can look around and you say, you know, we're looking around some buildings right now. The buildings are standing properly. You know, the birds are flying nicely. You know, people are getting to and from their work. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a war on the street. What's not to like? Things must be going just swimmingly well. Okay? But it's deceptive. It doesn't tell you what's really going on. And you don't, because you don't see the kids not being educated well. They're there. There's a school down there I can show you that's one of the worst schools in Los Angeles. Um, they're not being educated very well, but you don't see it. Yeah, and right here in this upscale neighborhood, where if you looked at this neighborhood, no one would ever assume a, uh, a cancer of a school is located here. Yeah, that's right. Who would it's, ever assume? Yeah, well, but, but you, you would even pass by the school and you see a bunch of kids on the playground. You wouldn't necessarily think, well, look at this horrible education going on. You yeah. can't see that. You don't you, see the breeding of ignorance in the yeah, exactly classrooms. Right. So you and, and there's there's the time element as well. You, it, it takes so many years for it to actually manifest itself, and how how it's destroying the as you say the intellectual heft of our students. I, I think you're right, um, but you just deceive yourself. Whereas you and I, I think conservatives, generally speaking, we prefer the scale. We, and, and as you said it very well, I, I, you were joking, but you, you meant it. We may not like it. Do you think we like to see that our education system is, is for crap? Do you think we like to see you know, businesses failing all the time or that we never have uh, achieved uh, 3% growth in these past seven and a half years with Obama? Do you think we like to see the unemployment, uh, the, the employment uh, ratio being so low in the past 45 years? Yeah, or do you think we like to see the prospect of, of a city turned into a smoldering crater? Yeah. You know how scary that is. Yeah. Do you for think? Us? Do you think? And you, no one's doing anything about it. Do you think we like to see that that more than fifty percent of inmates in in prisons are black, or that more than fifty percent of, uh, of of young men are who are fathers are going to end up in prison sometime in their lives? You think we like that? But you have to ignore these things to think that the democratic policies work. You have to deceive yourself, and the only way to do that is to not go on the scale and only rely on the mirror. Remember, the mirror lies to you, but the scale does not. So we don't like the scale, but we understand that we have to deal with the scale. The scale is the only way you get back to where you want to be, right? If you're 20 pounds overweight, the scale will tell you you're 20 pounds overweight. You know what your ideal weight is. Get there. Find a way to get there. But what we need to do is have half the country... At least half the country come come over to the scale and say, "Look, let's let's be realistic here. Take a look. Step on. Step on it. Come on. And now down deal the with Cheetos, it. Step yep. on. <laughs> yeah, put down the Cheetos. In fact, the Cheetos will maybe cause a little bit less weight on the scale once you get They're take them away. Air. <laughs> anyway, I, I I just I was fascinated by the comment and I. I I, I it's, for that. it's such a brilliant point, and it really goes to, you know, because one of the things we talk about on the Broccoli Show mm-hmm. podcast is, um, which are two separate things, the show is on Sundays, 10 to 11 a.m., Carol Thank a. you. 870, Los Angeles area. Um, we talk about the things that are, and, and this is a recurring theme, we talk about the ancient problems that humanity has always had to deal with from the time of Adam and Eve that we're still struggling with today that, yes, are simple to get rid of, mostly through minor degrees of enlightenment. We're not talking about going full bodhisattva on anyone, but you know, just, you don't have to do you know, yoga poses, but just a little bit of knowledge, right. just a little bit of not buying into myth. 
instead of truth. Right. And, and I think that's what the core of this subject is, which is, is quite brilliant, which is, can you just turn away from the myth for a second and just let, just humor us? Look at the truth right. for a second, make a couple good decisions, and then go back into your little dream world. That's right. Please? That's right. It's, a, it's 100% right. And, and what, if, if, if only, if only they could do that just for a second. And, and, and you know that, as, as my fellow conservatives know, you, you, you are so frustrated, and, and understandably so, with your liberal friends, and you just say, how could they believe this crap? I mean, you, you, even more to the point, you and I, as conservative Jews, we look at our liberal Jewish friends. Oh, like a vault, yes. And we wonder, how can, you, I don't, how can you possibly be for the democratic policies or think that somehow they advance the cause of Judaism? Or more significantly, the cause of Israel. How do you? Where do you get that? Where, where is that impression? And then, and then they. What they'll tell you inevitably is, I, I've just heard Obama say X, or uh, you know that the Kerry team told me X. You know, whatever it is. Or, or they'll say, you know, the Obama administration gave money recently to Israel. Well, first of all, it's not the Obama administration that gives the money. It's Congress that gives the money. But they'll. Obama will stop the money from coming in, right? But he'll limit it. But he doesn't limit to zero. Instead of giving, let's say, the, I'll, I'll use rough numbers, the four billion that Israel might want, it gives only half a billion, okay? But then Obama still gets to say, but I gave them, a, a, you know, I gave them money. Look at all the, the stuff I, I have, I've done for you guys. So he'll take credit for it. But in fact, he's actually withdrawing from, from Israel. Putting that aside, just, just, the madness that goes on with uh, Israel, how uh, the democratic platform itself is is taking God out of the picture, taking Jerusalem as the center, as the capital of, of Israel out of the equation, uh, and demanding that Israel not do the settlements and the way Obama has talked about settlements, uh, even in Jerusalem proper. It's very bizarre. Uh, I've had my own encounters with Obama myself, and the things that he said made it very clear to me that he has no interest in being a friend to Israel. And then to say nothing of the way he's treated Netanyahu, to say nothing of the Iran deal, there's no way you can get around. But so how do they respond? They respond by saying, I'm hearing what the press is telling me. And they're telling me it's a good deal. They're telling me that everything is just fine. And that you are silly, Mr. Lurie, for, for believing otherwise. That's what they're telling me. So that's how frustrating it is. And you, you can't, it, it answers that age-old question, how can they be doing it? And it, it, the reason why is that we think differently. Our whole approach is different. Our, our notion of truth, of what is, comes from a very different source. Our source is the scale. Their source is the mirror. Yeah, and it's also mindset. Conservatives, we want to know what the bad news is before it happens so we can do something about it. Oh, yeah. I'm not, mm -hmm. and, and we have historical perspective. As Jews, mm -hmm. and Jews who don't live with our head in the sand, we know historically almost every generation of Jews in the history of the world has faced some awful conglomeration, yeah. uh, conflagration right. caused by political winds blowing in the wrong direction at some point in their life. And... Those of us who've heard these stories are on the lookout. Yeah. And we want to know when those winds start blowing so we can make our contingency plans early. Right. And we're not afraid of it happening because we've learned from historical lesson 
to expect it sooner or later. Right. And our, our Jewish friends on the other side of the political aisle seem completely incapable. It's like they're basket cases. They can't deal with the fact that, no, the world never really changes, does it? Humanity, because each new successive generation of humanity comes out, is always pretty much the same. This thing called evolution is a big fat lie. That's right. People don't evolve. They're still human beings who are mm-hmm. subject to the same frailties of, and seductions of evil as human beings of generations past. Of jealousy, gluttony, uh, greed, you name it. It's, it it'll yes. always be that way. It always has been that way. And I want to make one further comment that, that puts the two together, which is, and it's even most disturbing, when you see that opposition party festering these ancient human animosities for political gain. Yeah. Election after election, more handouts, more poverty, more want, more misinformation, right. more, more cl- lies, more, more need. Right, more claims of racism and that racism is alive and well. Right. That's the only thing that doesn't change for them, right? Yeah. Human nature changes all the time. It, it evolves, to use your words. But racism, oh, and America for that matter, it's always, it's still the same. Yeah, sexual identity. Well, that's evolved. <laughs> that's really? Right. But racism, now they're all the same. Yeah, that's right. It, 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 White privilege. Republicans bad. Now we're getting into the weeds a little bit, and that's fine. But it's such a good example of of what we're talking about here, how they refuse to see not only the the, the lack of facts, the lacks of support for the truth, but the the contradictions, the internal contradictions within their own positions. I, I, I'm I'm sorry to hear this. I, I, I'm sorry to, sorry to report this, but this is the kind of stuff that makes me realize that. It explains to me why the differences are as they are and lets me shape my arguments accordingly, right? And, and so, for example, now that we know it's a, it's a debate between the mirror and the scale, right? Now, the argument might be geared a little bit differently toward our liberal friends if we want to actually persuade them. We can say, look, where are you basing your your beliefs from? Where's your core beliefs? Is it from what the media tells you? From, from you know, what your friends are telling you? Or do you want to learn the facts? Right? Because the, the facts, I think we, we agree that that's probably more important. And ultimately, they'll have to say, yeah, I agree with the facts, but I think your facts are wrong. Okay, well, tell me where I'm wrong. Just, you know, here's, here are the facts on the ground. And then come to me about this. Because if, if, you, if you hold up the mirror to them, as it were, that what they're doing is just looking at the mirror, that they're deceiving themselves, then you might get somewhere. I, th- I think that's the difference. And, and your analogy is so good because what you're essentially saying is if I could convince them by looking in a different mirror, they might one day step on the scale yeah. and have to see Ooh. things as they actually are. Yeah. Someone take a photo of them. That's all. <laughs> that's why. That'll do the trick. I'll, I'll tell you that. It, it'll learn you real quick. <laughs> all right, folks. All right, don't go away. We'll be right back. Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, your client loaned $100,000 to a former business partner to use to flip properties, but the former partner used the money to pay off his own personal debts. Yeah, Dennis, the challenge here was that the defendant claimed to not have any money. Even his own lawyer claimed the defendant wasn't paying him. So how did you resolve it? Well, we put his money where his mouth was, asking, why don't you just agree to stipulate to a judgment that would save our client and his 
his, tens of thousands of dollars pursuing this matter in court. Now my client has a judgment as though he had gone to trial and won. Well, that's another real success. Folks, I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. So one of the things that we uh, that's little getting attention in the news uh, and the news cycles is Venezuela. Okay, now Venezuela is the famous socialist experiment in South America, as though as if by the way, uh, almost all the other countries are not socialist. They they are, but Venezuela for some reason gets the the rap of, of being the extremely socialist country. Uh, first there was Chavez, of course, with his. Uh, bizarre antics and uh, you know his quest to be like uh, Fidel Castro uh, and then you have Maduro who's handpicked by Chavez to be the successor leader uh, now Maduro should be you know cursing Chavez uh, in his grave um, because um, Chavez was able to at least lead Venezuela at, at a time where there was still a lot of richness in the country so he talked about a socialist utopia of sorts, but if not just not realizing that the well was running dry, right? So it's all good and well. <laughs> Talk about uh, looking at the mirror, right? I mean, it's the reverse. Like, you're, you're gaunt. You don't realize that you're going to die, right? But nevertheless, this, this country is just going over the cliff. And it's going to starve. So, and then he dies. Chavez could not have died at a better time. From his standpoint... He, he should actually thank God for killing him at the time that he did because Chavez has now gained heroic popular status, right? And he's dumped this Venezuela just at the time as the, the, the water has run dry, the well has run dry. Thank you very much, Chavez. And Maduro now has to, to deal with this. And people are, are rioting in the streets. They would have done the same thing with Chavez had he continued to live, of course. It's nothing to do with Chavez versus Maduro. It has everything, by contrast, to do with socialism. So what's going on? That We have shortages beyond belief. People can't get toilet paper, can't get water. The, the most basic things that we think about, that you would just run down to the, the local store, maybe in your building, uh, to, to get some deodorant, they would have to, to wait in lines for, for hours. They're, they're getting thin, they're getting gaunt, they're getting super hungry. They're, uh, they're eating animals in the zoo, okay? Just to give you perspective. Just when you think, when you envision a country going poor, you know, you, you, it's, it's hard to imagine all the things that flow from that, right? Yeah, because people think it looks like, say, Compton or Skid Row. Right, yeah. No, no, no. That's luxury housing. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. It's more than, it's more than middle-income housing. They, but you don't think about these, these kind of bizarre things that must happen when, when people get desperate enough. And sure enough, there's a zoo in uh, Caracas. And well, I, I there think, was. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of people discovered, hey, th- th- there's a very good supply of protein over there. Okay. And they, and they hop the fence and they kill the zebra and the, the, the other animals there. 
uh, whatever is mildly uh, edible, well, they eat it. This is what they sell now. This is what they do. And this is an opportunity to make money for those who don't even need the meat necessarily. But, but would you have thought, okay, tell me true, would you have thought of such a story uh, had it not actually been told to you? Right? Would, would that be a, a thing that would come to mind? Does it? No, no. That's, no. that's the inform- Now, the one advantage I have in um, ideating these, these horrors of socialism is I'm familiar with a lot of socialism horrors of the past, so I expect terrible things to happen, you know, people eating tree bark and other things. And we'll get into some of the even worse horrors than what happened to that zoo later. But no, I, I didn't picture that. Yeah. You know, but, but it, it stands with common sense. You run out of food, well... Why would you feed the animals before right. you feed the people? Then the animals starve, and the ones that haven't starved, well, let's eat them. Right. Okay, so, but here's the interesting thing. It's of animals of which I, I want to speak right now, okay? I want to talk about socialism and animals, okay? And, and only because the zoo kind of brought the connection to mind. Here's my thesis. Socialism makes us animals, it eviscerates the distinction between humans on the one hand and animals in the other. Brilliant. Okay. Brilliant. Because it kills humanity. It does. It kills the humanity of a human. That's right. A human being is only human because we embody something called humanity, right. which is that exceptional essence that God gives us to be different than every other species. Right. It's a thin blue line. Right. Uh, not even blue. It's a thin line between humanity and, and animalist, animalism, shall we call it. Okay, and, and that, that thin line might be involved just a, the notion of manners, the notion of a certain level of, of uh, economic success, a certain level of law and order, right. a certain level of the understanding of the distinction between men and women, uh, sex and, uh, and rape. Uh, these, are, these are distinctions that all are very important that we have spoken about at length before. But the thing, Ari, that really brought the connection to the fore for me is I saw a video, and it was one of these amateur videos that somebody had taken from the top of, a, I think, a six-floor building. And it was showing, it was again on Facebook or something like that, it was showing some um, government official handing out bread to the, these bread lines, okay? And he apparently had run out of bread, okay? And people were throwing, you know, throwing themselves at him to get the bread, get the bread. And he was trying to protect himself. And finally, he just took the bread that he had and he threw it into the crowd. And then he ran away. Okay? And this is all caught on video. And what do you see? Again, remember, from the video perspective, from the guy on the sixth floor. So you're looking down upon all these people who look not quite like ants, but but you can't see the individuality of each of they these people. They look like a mass of A mass of people. people. And to look at it, it's like seeing pigeons, you know, swarm to crumbs. the bread yeah. to, for crumbs. And how they all coo and run and they, they bicker at each other and then they run away. And peck, yes. It was indistinguishable from pigeons. That's right. And that's when I said to myself, socialism and huma- is, is the end of humanity. Socialism, socialism makes us, turns us into animals, just like I saw there. And, and it's not, it doesn't just stay with the bread lines uh, or the, the, the food lines of any kind or the coffee lines. It's true with respect to everything. It, it, it's true with respect to jobs. It's with respect to um, uh, 
you know, social issues altogether. They all scramble for it the same way that the pigeons do. It's everyone out for themselves sort of thing. Yeah, it's Lord of the Flies. It's, you it know, is. Which is a great book about showing what happens when civilized people go primitive. Yeah. They immediately become animals. Right. Well, this is out what socialism does. It, 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 it tears down all the basic fabric of society on, on the pretense that they're making everyone equal and that some rich person, some phantom rich person who doesn't exist anymore because they were smart enough to leave the friggin' country, but that, that now that there's... There's nothing there because there's, there was no rich person to dole out the money anymore. Well, ironically, there is only one rich person. And in this case, it's Hugo Chavez's daughter, the yeah. billionaire. Yeah, that's true. Because she stole the wealth of the country with her father's help in pursuit of this utopian set of perverse ideas. Oh, but I'm sure that's just an exception to the general beauty of, of socialism. If only it was done right. Ari, then clearly uh, you would have the great uh, socialism joy that, that socialism promises. Yeah, well, there is one thing I'd like to add, and I believe uh, you saw this this week, but this horrified me. Uh, and you wrote about this in uh, part of your book, and uh, Reagan in his own hand in the chapter on Cambodia covered this, which is what happened in Cambodia, which yeah. is at gunpoint, they marched everyone out of the cities to go and engage in what's called year zero agricultural reforms, and everyone was forced to become a farmer. Well, this week, news out of Venezuela is our people are, become, are being hustled out of the cities at gunpoint and forced to work the land to produce food and farms yeah. as slaves. Yeah, yeah. That's In what other they words, it, it's not that it's tried a new way, or it's not that it's tried well. It always is hell on earth. It's always awful. And yeah. those who, who who advocates for slavery, and uh, I mean uh, for socialism, especially those who advocate for it in, in first world countries like ours, there's a place for hell in them in the in the afterlife. Mm, I'm I thought, convinced and it's, of it. And it's right next to the the place in hell where women don't vote for other women. Yes. <laughs> That was a reference. I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, but, but animals, that's what we're speaking of, right? I mean, it was interesting because the, the way we treated the animals, uh, the, the, the zoo itself, I can't imagine the perspective of, of the animals in the zoo. Like suddenly these, these humans that were otherwise taking care of them and saying, hi, little, little bear, hi, little lion, all of a sudden are climbing the fences and are eating them. You know, to, the terror that they must have experienced. But the, the, the humans that are doing this are no different than the animals that they're eating, right? It's, they're part of the zoo now. Well, the, the, animal, the, the place that's defined as zoo is reversed. Yeah. The zoo is now just a uh, civilized place with civilized creatures, relatively speaking, that are now just starving to death. Yeah. The, the zoo is now the outside world. Yeah. Listen, I, I, one of the things that concerns me, of course, that, of course, crime is skyrocketing in Venezuela as it... As it understandably would be with all the theft for the food and for the supplies that they no doubt need. Uh, but I, I suspect also that, that there is, I wouldn't be surprised if there are not more rapes, not more murders and killings, because this is what all this stuff le leads to, right? This is what coveting is all about. We know that in the, one of the Ten Commandments is you, you will not, you shall not covet. You shall not want, because it leads to so many other, um, uh, sorry, um, violations, infractions of the other uh, commandments, right? If you want something so badly, you might actually kill for it. So nip it in the bud, so to speak, right? That's the notion. Or earn it yourself. Or earn, earn it. it. But, but, here, but yeah. the problem with socialism is it creates a world where 
where you, you can't earn anything. You can't earn anything, yeah. and you can only covet the entire time. And so, so they strip away the humanity, and then worse yet, they make you into an animal. Because just like you said about turning people into slaves, that, that, that's, that's the opposite of what a human is. Yeah, and look at all the violations of classic liberal Democrat Party doctrine that are happening here. Yeah. The environment is getting ravaged because people don't have the, the wealth or the prosperity to care about the environment anymore. That's right. Animals are being mistreated because people need to eat them and they don't have the food to feed them. The, uh, the, the whole notions that the socialist system will create wealth and prosperity for all and everyone will be, uh, the whole it takes a village to uh, you know, raise a child stuff is being turned into it takes a village to burn a bridge because the, the mm-hmm. luxury good of being kind to your neighbor and, and uh, being able to follow the golden rule has been ripped out because people are in such dire need of poverty caused by the liberal uh, doctrine that they supposedly are, are supposed to follow. All right. So let me, let me give a shout out to our listeners at this point and ask them if you have uh, any examples, if you disagree with us and you say, whoa, 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 wait, Ari, Barack. That's all good and well that you're talking about socialism as it affects Venezuela. And I agree, Venezuela is really going down the tubes. Uh, but there are reasons why it's Venezuela doing this. It's not quite the socialism. You're blaming socialism, Barack, the same way that you uh, you say that Hitler, uh, that you're blaming nationalism uh, because it's associated with Hitler and such. And that's not a fair comparison. Socialism itself is a good thing. Okay, so if you believe that, my good dear friend, listener, whoever you may be out there, and, and we'll get a lot of emails to this effect. If you believe that, please give me some examples where socialism has worked, okay? Now, to, to, to cut you off of the past a little bit, um, don't, don't try the kibbutz thing, okay? This kibbutz um, notion, which is uh, collective farming in Israel, uh, where it was almost purely socialistic, um, it, first of all, it's not the same thing as a nation being socialist. Yeah, it's not enforced by law. You're not, not at yeah. point These people are, are, are community farmers that are working together uh, jointly and such. So, and it did work for a little while, but just because that it worked for a little while didn't mean that it thrived ever. It never thrived. It was good for defensive measures, and that was the main reason why they, they were there. And then ultimately, as the defensive measures weren't as necessary because Israel itself was able to defend itself as a country, surprise, the kibbutzim started failing. And now there are very few kibbutzim anymore. Now, and they're now just it's tourist just, traps. They're just basically. tourist traps. Yeah. It's, it's really like going to an Amish country almost. You know, it's say, oh, look, this is nice. No, or better yet, like Old Town San Diego. Yes. You know, it's okay, here you go, it's cute. And or, or going to Honolulu and seeing people doing the hula dance, you know, yeah. you know, it, it, those it's are not, not real Hawaiians. Those are not real Hawaiians. <laughs> They're only on Waikiki. Thank you. It's it's really like that in the kibbutzim. So, uh, and and other than that, okay. So so that's not even a good example. But tell me what other examples you have that you think evidence how great socialism is. Yeah, and I would I would like, although it's your show, I would like to also exclude all examples of Western Europe where their national defense is subsidized by America. Ugh. We need to pick socialist countries that are only independently socialist. Yeah, self-sustaining. Yeah, not ones that are part of NATO where that can afford to not have any national security measures against either the Soviets right. or anyone else because America is there with a battle fleet and a, and a, a military. Yeah, imagine base. that they actually had to sustain their own uh, defense, Sweden or Norway or otherwise, yes. and had to and had to do it, you know, extensively because the, the enemies were very real. 
I think you'd, you'd see quite a change in, the, in their position. Right. So if Angola, if uh, uh, Zimbabwe, if North Korea or Burma or uh, Cuba are gl- or Venezuela are glowing examples of socialism, call us and pick one of those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's how they look. You're so right. You're so right. It's, uh, uh, so, so one of the things that you and I mused about just before doing this part of the, the, the podcast is they, they keep on doubling down. I think that was your phrase. The, the Venezuelans, it's as if they never think to themselves, you know, let's do something different. And it's not as if there's, there's this notion of capitalism, which is, has been untried and untrue, or, you know, this is this novel concept, you know, maybe we ought to try it. I mean, first of all, at this point, when you're eating animals in the zoo, I say you try anything else other than socialism. Rather, now now yes. is the time to panic, as they say, right? right? Rather than be like the alcoholic is going, I know what will get me sober, another bottle of vodka. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> I can function. I'm a fully functioning alcoholic, thank you. Anyway, that's a, but that's what, that's what the socialists are. That's, that's their whole mentality is that they somehow think oh, we'll just double down, triple down sometimes. It's, but when you're eating animals in your own zoos, now's the time. Okay, that's what you call rock bottom. And, and now you really need to change it. But, but what, I mean, maybe there are opposition voices saying exactly what we're saying, which is we ought to try this capitalism business. But they have, they have great examples to, you know, their neighbors up north. They have a, even a, a decent example in Argentina, which is somewhat of a socialist country anyway. But Chile is a very good example. Well, they're Peru doing, and oh, Chile. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're doing very well in yes. Chile. Uh, and and even Mexico is a better example than Venezuela. Well, until nineteen ninety eight, when Chavez took power, it was a capitalist country. That's right. And prospered like crazy. Yeah. And now's the time to maybe consider going back to the way things were. But but they have such a rich history in the past. They have examples of capitalism working everywhere, everywhere that's that's practiced. It's not, and they're not exceptions. They're the rule. Capitalism works. It's the rule. And they uh, they just choose not to, to go yeah, forward with it. Yeah, why wouldn't a country? And you know, I'm I'm a horribly ignorant, just little person here, who just asked stupid common sense questions. But what country wouldn't want to be Hong Kong? Well, I, a I agree. rock with no resources and some of the greatest prosperity on earth. Of course, you know? I, and we talked about this and and how you know. Well, I'll get back to the next point. Um, but when it comes to Venezuela. They look at Venezuela and they choose to do nothing with it. They, they just they will not uh, at all think about how to undo this, 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 unravel this whole thing. And like you said about Hong Kong, why, why wouldn't they want to be Hong Kong? Why wouldn't they want to? It's, it's not as if they're like, here's my point that I, I, I fail to remember. It's not like it's North Korea. Okay, North Korea, uh, it's a savage country. It's become what it's become, not because... They fail to see that capitalism would be so great for it. It's because uh, the, the leaders of North Korea want to control North Korea, and they they prefer power over prosperity for their people. That's that's that explains North Korea. I almost understand it. That's power. That's that's vicious. It's horrible. I wish they weren't that way, but it's not as if the people can rise up. Okay, they can't. They're they're totally under the thumb. Yeah, in Venezuela, but, but in these Venezuela, people keep electing these yeah, idiots. They keep on. It, it's it they. Something is going on there where they keep on saying, "Give us some more, sir. Give us some more. Keep on, you know, uh, doing to me what uh, 
what you know victims uh, must must face. Uh, well, I don't even want to get. Yeah, but that. you make a great point. It's like at what point does the equivalent of the Democrat Party of Venezuela, the the yeah. pro-socialism one, says, you know what, elect us, but we're going to do something a little different. You know. Uh, you know, well, well, we we think you guys should have some food and toilet paper. Yeah, maybe maybe so a mixture you of that cycle of life. Maybe we'll privatize some industries. <laughs> right. I, I know that sounds crazy, but uh, let's do that. Yeah, well, I know we'll have Uber. We'll have Uber and Airbnb, <laughs> and uh, everything else is socialist. But look how quickly a country can can disintegrate. All right, I mean, 1998, and then it disintegrates in in 16, 18 years. I mean, it's been disintegrating, you know, very quickly, even tw- even four years ago. So we'll say 12, 13 years ago, it, it, it disintegrated to to this this place where they all become pigeons. They become and they're eating their animals in their zoo. This is what they've descended to. And 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 it only goes to show. It goes back to the point where where we said this is the the thin line that divides us between being a society, a civilization, better yet. And Lord of the Flies, the jungle, because the, Venezuela has become the jungle, a, a tragedy of, of, of such proportions. The good news is, I think the good news is, that if they truly decide, if they want it, they can become rich and prosperous again, overnight, practically speaking. Well, they got the oil. They have the oil. The resources. They have are a lot there. of resources. They, they have the tourism prospects. It's not, you know, it's a nice place from a from a tropical point of view, but they, they choose not to do it. It's, it's, um, I don't know, I guess nations, as my dad once said, you know, he, he was, he was very politically astute. Uh, he was a political cartoonist, as you know, he said, nations are like people. They all have their personalities. He would, and he went through various different nations. He talked about China, for example, China is terrified of, of, uh, losing its unity, right? That that's historically, that's, what they had to have is be unified, unified. They will do. They will stop at nothing to make sure that they don't divorce themselves, so to speak. Yeah, they, their civil wars of years past and centuries past have scarred them permanently, permanently. in many ways. Yeah, they, they will not tolerate a breakdown of China. In in Germany, uh, their main mantra is order. There's an expression, Ordnung muss sein, which means there must be order. Um, and uh, that kind of informs their whole culture. Right, it's it's part of the who they are. Uh, France, you know, they're, they're a culture of living in the past. That's the way I look at them. Okay, that, that may not be a, a fair one for them, but that's the way I, I perceive it. Uh, England has a sense of uh, manners and civilization. They have a sense of uh, what is common decency and such. That that's what you think about. And America, of course, is is about freedom and breaking free and being that innovative person. Right? They're they're all different personalities, and like people. There are some people that you just, you look at them and you say, why is he always so hostile, right? What, if, if only he just lightened up, if, if only he didn't yell at people all the time, he'd probably get everything he wants, right? I have a client of mine, uh, actually, he's a friend of a client of mine, okay, that I, I've gotten to know, actually, it's interesting. He's always getting arrested, Okay, he's always having major confrontations with the police, and then he talks to us, to my my client, and then my client tells me about it, about how it, we're just laughing about it because it's he's constantly in confrontation with the police, like uh, we'll call him uh, David. Okay, what did David do this time? Okay, 
And so did the police look at him funny? And 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 he he tells the story, and it seems you know if you were to believe him, well yeah, then he's been railroaded. But how come how come nobody else is railroaded the same way that David is? And and you just think, listen, David, try it this way. Don't be a jerk. Say hello and please and thank you. Okay. And then how about assuming the best in people and such? You you get the idea. They don't change these people. They get it into their mindset. They have to act a certain way. And here's my point. Countries are like that too. Okay, the, Venezuela is like that David. He just, as a country, it just doesn't want to learn. It doesn't want to change itself. It doesn't want to uh, 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 you know, say, well, maybe we went down the wrong path. Okay, and, and they have a history. That's the difference between my example of David and, and Venezuela. Venezuela has a past saying, you know what? I used to be a, a cooler kid when I was 20, right? Why not say that? Now you're 45, you're a jerk, right? Be that guy that you were 20 years ago. Remember him? Just go back to that, okay? Try that. And maybe they'll get somewhere. I, but Venezuela, I, I, I don't know how much further they can go. But I will say this, uh, Ari, that I, I'm somewhat shocked about the lack of attention of the media to the Venezuela story, because yeah, you, you can dig for it. You can you, you'll find it on the um, on the internet pretty quickly. You'll say if you said collapse of Venezuelan society or Venezuela's socialism gone awry or something like that, you'll find stories pretty quickly. But it's not it's not even on Fox News. It's not on CNN. It's not. It's, it's nowhere to be found. Way down. It's, but but they will talk not. about North Korea. That's that's the weird thing about. It. They will talk about problems in other areas of the world. Uh, I don't quite know why they don't talk about Venezuela. It's uh, because there are interesting stories. So they talk about Brazil and all the problems of Brazil, but right up north is is Venezuela that's really, really suffering. Anyway, I I find that fascinating. But it's animals that we're speaking about today. And, And Venezuela allows us to see the darker side of our nature. It's scary. And you don't ever want to be there. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we'll talk with you next week.